it's just crazy how it's right in front of our faces. There is a lot of people that worship fame and, and um, you know, like sports figures, musicians. And there's also a lot of evidence for them to show that that's not it. That's not the answer. We know the answer. I can go on and on about the answer because the answer is just oneness with Christ and coming into that relationship. You're listening to the Provoke and Inspire podcast. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Provoke and Inspire podcast, learning how to follow Jesus in a post-Christian culture. As you can tell, we've kicked Luke out. We thought, you know what? Enough of the shenanigans, enough of the just the dull contributions. We replaced him with one of the best, with one of our regular guests. That rhymes. You know it. Brian Head from Corn. What's up? See you later, Luke. Let's welcome him, everybody. Let's welcome him. <laughs> welcome to the Provoke and Inspire podcast. Uh, Provoke and Inspire is an official Steiger International podcast. Steiger is a worldwide missions organization that mobilizes followers of Jesus to reach young people who would not walk into a church. For more information, resources, and how to get involved, you can go to steiger.org. All right. Well, David insisted on uh, starting this conversation and uh, asking the first few questions. So, David, hit it. So, Brian, uh, I know this is a bit of a change of subject, but I've been really thinking a lot about the whole topic of suicide. It seems like everywhere we go around the world, I mean, we were just on a tour in Mexico, and uh, they were telling us there that one of the biggest issues they have with young people now in Mexico is suicide. And I'm in New Zealand right now, and um, people will often say that New Zealand has one of the highest rates of suicide among young people in the world. And again, it's it's also true in the U.S. And, and everywhere we go. So I was just wondering, have you observed that? Have you seen that? And what do you think, as a Jesus follower, we need to do to respond to it? I mean, I just, when you're saying that, I, I thought about the scripture in Hebrews. It says, make every effort to enter into rest. And I think people are looking for rest. And Jesus said, you know, come to me, all who are weary and burden, then I will give you rest. You know, there's a lot to it, right? There's, there's mental health that all of us don't understand, but Jesus is bigger than that. And I just, I like to encourage anybody and everybody to go to him to find that rest, you know, and he gives it through the spirit. I was reading, uh, John 14 earlier, Christ is talking. He said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another counselor, comforter, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. And all of these lies that were just, people are bombarded with about, you know, panic and, and self-worth and identity and, and, you know, so much that is just makes their emotions and thoughts and just nothing but turmoil, you know? It's that Holy Spirit. When you come to Jesus, he gives you that spirit and gives you that rest inside of your soul. And then he refreshes your mind. And, and, you know, I like to tell people in my story, I started, I was cursed with positive thoughts when I met Jesus. So I was like, everything's going to be okay. You know, life's going to be good. I'm going to be a better father and all this. It was amazing, you know? And, um, I don't know. I just, I wish that people would give their life instead of taking their lives. I wish they would give it to someone who wants it, which is Christ. He wants their lives, you know, and then you can die with Christ into baptism and into your faith, and then you raise up a brand new person and all things become new. That's my hope and wish for all these people that are that are taking their lives. You know, it's just if they just knew that there's a 
a consciousness that they could shift into by the help of the Holy Spirit and Jesus. You know what I mean? One of the reasons that I think that there's such a crazy rise in suicide rates around the world is because this generation is the first one to grow up having the idol of iPhone at their disposal. And specifically, not just the idol of iPhone, but specifically the idols of social media. Brian mentioned that, you know, identity comparison. How does your life ever make any sense at all in comparison to? to the picture-perfect worlds of the YouTube stars that you adore or, you know, the social media personality or influencer or creator, whatever it is. And there's an impossible achievement that so many people are just giving up on. Or it is sort of the like, okay, I I can't get there. I'm so depressed just, you know, doing this 24 hours a day. And, uh, Maybe from the pandemic was even more like it was already there, but then the pandemic just kind of sure blew it blew it up. Brian, what's the what's the conversation like, kind of in in the higher profile circles? Because I, I think one thing that's very striking is that you know we live I think in a Western culture that that of course idolizes sports stars and musicians and celebrities, and they almost become these archetypes of what we all strive to be. There's almost like a immortality there. You know, you think of what happened even with Damar Hamlin in football, and we talked about this on the podcast, how here's this world-class athlete who just one hit, he dies on the field, and of course now he's doing better, which is awesome. But when these kinds of tragedies happen to people that so much of the rest of the public looks at as everything you should be, everything you want to be. There's almost this aura of invincibility. When, when that happens there, when it happens on those levels, I guess my couple of questions is, well, one is, what's the conversation like there? Is it something talked about? Is it, it's, is it getting worse? Is it something that's an issue? Um, and then also just in general, like what do we, you know, how can we dispel that myth? Or, or why is it that we keep chasing after that when there's so much abundant evidence that even at the highest levels of fame and wealth and opportunity, there seems to be the same dead ends that the rest of us are experiencing. Why is that myth have such enduring and lasting power over people? Yeah, that's a good question. There's, But there's all kinds of stories to the contrary, right? That it's not the answer. If you look at... right. Um, Ellen's DJ or Ellen's, uh, I don't, I don't know what he was. Was he the, like the, uh, the music director for the show? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He just walked out of his home and took his life. You know, it's like he was on the biggest show of biggest talk show in America, you know, for years. And, you know, and it's just crazy how, how it's out there. It's, it's right in front of our faces. There is a lot of people that worship, you know, fame and, and, um, you know, like sports figures, musicians and whatnot, actors, but, uh, there's also a lot of evidence for them to show that that's, that's not it. You know, that's not the answer, you know, and we know the answer. I can go on and on about the answer because the answer is just one with oneness with Christ and coming into that relationship. Then you have all the, the other religious and political stuff and, and, and those high and mighty Christians that are just bashing people and have no concept of loving their enemies. So people would rather, some people would rather die than go look for religion because they see how messy it is. Mm -hmm. It really turns my stomach. It makes me sick how corrupt everything is, you know? And I don't lose heart though, because I know that, you know, that God's working, but it really is disheartening. 
in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know, before this conversation started, before we started recording, we talked about what was happening in Ukraine last week. We talked to our, a dear friend of ours who's preaching the gospel while bombs are dropping. And, you know, obviously that's horrible, but this beautiful redemptive experience of how God is using that to open people up spiritually. And there's people coming to Jesus like crazy and and how, of course, we don't celebrate the bombs, but we do celebrate the way God is using a horrible situation for good. With a lot of these high-profile suicides and well-documented struggles, do, do you find that there's an increased openness, you know, with the the fans that you talk to, or maybe even just the the other artists that you interact with, is that leading to a spiritual hunger or is it just kind of the the mental health route, which again, we there is a mental health component to this, we all agree, but is it leading to spiritual openness, do you find it all, or is, is it more just kind of humanistic explanations and just moving on? It's funny because in, in America, maybe, maybe not so much, but like overseas, you know, outside of America, I feel like, yes, and I was going to ask you guys the same thing, you know, are you seeing more of an openness out there with with where you're going and, and and people just, you know, ever since the last couple of years, I would say. Oh, I think there's an unbelievable openness. I mean, we had so many people responding, we couldn't keep up with it. Hundreds of people responding everywhere that we went. You would hear things like, well, in this city, people are really cynical or they're not going to be that open or don't expect a, a much of a response. And the responses were always overwhelming. You know, the, our local teams could not keep up with all the people that said, I want to know Jesus. And like you say, Brian, I think what is a big barrier to so many people is they have this idea about who Jesus is because of bad examples. So the Jesus that they have in their head, I wouldn't want to know either. But when they see who the real Jesus is, they're so open to him. It's like, Jesus is someone who gave his life for me. God actually cries about the pain that I feel. He actually cares about me. Jesus cries more than all of us. On every level, Jesus enters into our pain and enters into our suffering. I think when you can explain that to people today, they are really open. But it's just a matter of being able to show them who Jesus really is. And like uh, um, being very honest, that organized religion can be corrupt, and and all the, the bad things they hear about, you know, with the name Christ associated with it, is corrupt organized religion usually. And, you know, that's why I always point people, this other scripture in John 14 too, those who accept my commands and obey them, Jesus says, are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. And that's what it comes down to is personal, personal quest and a journey by yourself you know, with help, of course, of others, but you and Jesus, not through a priest, not through a pastor, they, those, you know, they can help you and guide you to, to, to meet Jesus on your own. But when it comes down to it, meeting Jesus on your own and, and understanding the character and the motives of this heart, like David was saying, that he is humble and gentle and kind and meek. And he was sent to this earth to, to experience everything we've experienced so that when we go to him and we look to him, he can look back at us and say, I understand. I understand everything that you're telling me, you know, because he was tempted and, and tested in all ways and went through so much pain so we can understand. And who wants a God that doesn't understand? And Jesus is that one. And he'll reveal himself if they, if people could just get it past that. Yes, there's good and bad and everything on this earth, just in, in churches too. There's good and bad. And so... 
but there's not good and bad in Jesus. It's it's all good. Everything is good. So, and that's our job, right? Is to go out and tr- convince people, try to convince people. And obviously it's the Holy Spirit supernatural work, but he'll use us to, as we share and encourage people to, to really meet Christ themselves personally. And uh, that's a lifelong thing that we're going after all of us. Yeah. Absolutely. One of the things, um, you know, that we're talking about suicide is obviously a pain point for culture and for society at large. And I've been thinking a lot about um, how to reconcile the pain of people suffering, specifically right now in in Turkey and Syria in that earthquake that, you know, last I heard was 12,000 people had died. And, you know, it's like, I don't know why for me, it's, I guess it, pulls maybe even more on on the strings of my heart than than suicide which is not to say that I don't feel great compassion and and frustration and sadness um grief over uh suicide victims but but I guess it's just the difference of there was no choice and uh choice it just happens so how do you Brian reconcile the the goodness of God's heart towards all people and his desire that no one, we know that that he desires that no one would perish. And yet events happen almost like more frequently now than, than we can keep up with where mass casualties uh, are the norm. I don't know. I got, I wonder how you've kind of like wrestled with just that an easy question. That. Just the odyssey yeah, problem dude, of evil. I'd Brian spin the easy one. Could you do it in like 60 seconds or less? That would be nice. <laughs> Well, Chad, I'm right there with you, and I wrestle with that stuff too. It's like how and why in this, you know, is this happening? It's not fair. There's children. There's. It's just like how do you wrap your head around it? I don't know if you can relate with this, but it's almost easier to just not think about it. Yeah. Like just choose the good stuff. Like, oh, I'm having. You know, I get to talk to Brian today. <laughs> like, you know, I'm not going to think about the fact that the, it's it's weird. It's like there's this weird kind of dual i want to celebrate i want to be full of joy but then i also want to mourn you know when people are mourning and it's uh maybe it's just that i don't know how to do that very well but but yeah it's it's a tough it's a tough one it is man that's i i feel you on that i uh i just believe that god is love bible says it and you know death is so big to us on this side you step on the other side it becomes very small and I just put it in God's hands and, and hurt for them, you know, yeah. hurt for everybody that's the loss of lives, the country, uh, the families of friends that have lost so many, you know, yeah. and, and just kind of take, keep taking one day at a time, you know, and I think, um, uh, in Corinthians, it says that, um, we will know fully, even as we are fully known one day. And so if, we're not going to get our answer now. And I guess, you know, we're just going to have to choose to just say, okay, Lord, we're going to trust you. This mm-hmm. is like beyond horrible and unfair for, for humans or any humans. And th- we don't have an answer other than to, you know, just mourn with them and help w- where we can yeah. financially prayers and, and just, you know, kind of heal from it. I do think we're supposed to sit in it. Right, though right. I do think we're supposed to feel it, and I think that's what Chad was pointing to. And we need to resist that, resist the 
mm-hmm. callousness of repetition and, oh, another school shooting, oh, another natural disaster, oh, another suicide, oh, another celebrity, whatever. I think we're supposed to, in a good way, keep our hearts from becoming cold and calloused. Um, I, I think we're supposed to have moments like that produce the proper urgency in us, right? Tying kind of the suicide topic with with this natural disaster. In both cases, what that says to me is what we're dealing with is truly life or death, right? This is not trivial. These are not games. The person you're talking to in a very real sense has a limited amount of time. Even if they live a full healthy life, the person you're talking to has what, 50 years, right? All of us have a very limited amount of time and we don't know what we're dealing with. And so for me, it produces a healthy sense of urgency. But then again, back to what you said, Brian, I I, I also cling on to the the beauty found in Jesus, because unlike any other religion, unlike any other worldview or secular humanism, we have this incredible resilience in the face of suffering in Jesus because he not only gives us hope for beyond now, but he came into our hardship. He suffered along with us. You know, I was reading that we have the, you know, just recently about the idea that we have a priest who is not unsympathetic or unable to relate. We have a, a, a God who not only created us, but then entered into our suffering to infuse meaning into it and to give us a hope through it. And so to me, it's like, let your heart be vulnerable. Let let your heart feel what you should feel. Have the proper urgency in light of the fragility of life and then cling on to the person of Jesus, not religion, because religion ain't going to save you when the hardest parts of life hit, right? It's the person of Jesus that is with you in that suffering, with you in that fire that then allows you to be you know, to endure it and, and to hold on to hope and to continue to share hope with those around you. Yeah. Very well said. What am I doing here? <laughs> yeah. Jesus has the keys to death, you know, and um, I don't know. We just got to trust him and and keep moving forward. Yeah. I saw this uh, interview with Elon Musk and he was talking about how his life mission now is to get everyone to Mars. And uh, he's talking about how we're the result of this evolutionary process and and someone saying, "Why do you want to get people to Mars?" and he says, "Because if the human consciousness is to survive, we need to, you know, go to different planets and all of that." We were talking about suicide. If your whole thought is that we're just this random accident of evolution, what does it matter? We're no different than a speck of dust. What's the point of anything? But I think I think it totally makes sense. Because if you do think this is all there is, and if we are just this planet in life, then you we got to find some options and we got to find them in a hurry. So to me, I hear what you're saying and I agree. Like We only have hope in a crisis like what's happening in Syria or Turkey or with the suicide epidemic because of Jesus. But to me, I think those things are actually evidence of someone looking at their secular humanistic worldview and going, man, we better have more planets if this is all that we have for hope. I mean, there's this story that I I ran into recently. It's this guy. uh, He's this entrepreneur who... um, Oh, yeah, this is funny. He's spending $2 million a year. This is what I've been doing, actually. He's spending $2 million per year to get his body back to the state of an 18-year-old. Look, I only spend like $1 million Constant a year. shred. So I can't totally relate to him. Uh, but this is another example of that, right? If this is all you got as a planet, you better find another planet because we're burning the sucker down. And if this is all I got for a body, then I better find another body in a hurry because mine is is failing me fast. And so again, these things are people reaching for hope beyond Jesus and kind of grasping at straws because... 
you know, you can't. You can't remake your body no matter how much money you spend. And good luck with Mars. I don't know. Maybe. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> how much do you spend? Is it $2 million? You could be honest. Is that what you've been doing? Is that about how much you spend? I'd say on? that's pretty similar, yeah. right? I'm in the range of Ben, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Around the yeah. one mil mark. Yeah, I mean, I know I that. If you Chad has done a lot of lipo, and I and I really have seen that it looks good, man. Yeah, it looks really I have limited good. funds, so but I have ben, to focus. I, point, so I'm going all glutes. Yeah. That's basically been my focus. Look at lipo. <laughs> lipo suction. That is so re- Lipo suction. Right, they took all lipo. <laughs> yeah, they took all. What's a lipo? They took all the fat out of. I thought out you of, said light bulb. They like, took all the fat like, out of. That's some kind of uh, skin rejuvenation like system. A light hey, bulb. Are you gonna let me finish? Yeah, I just uh, <laughs> no, no. You never let anyone else finish. I was reminded this morning, um, thinking about this of uh, Matthew twenty four where the disciples come to Jesus and privately ask him a question, you know, it kind of feels like they're just like, yo, tell us like, you know, when, when's the world going to end? You know, what's that, what's, what's that going to look like? And he says, he answered them, see that no one leads you astray. I think it's crazy that the first thing he says is see that no one leads you astray for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. And it's like, oh man, like, but the beginning, Jesus, can you make it real easy for us and chill and like happy and feel good and all that? And it's like, and think about all these. That stuff's been going on since he said that. Right, right, right. That's a long time. Right. Yeah. David, do you so, have something? You seem you seem pent up and frustrated. What is it, David? I'm frustrated on so many levels. But okay, you see this 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 terrible earthquake in Turkey and in Syria. And in New Zealand now, there's another cyclone coming here, and, and Auckland has been flooded out. And it's just ongoing kind of stuff. And so you can kind of be immobilized and think, what can I do so you don't do anything? Or what kind of difference can I make? And I think what we need to do is we need to do something. So if I hear about the earthquake in Turkey or in Syria, the first thing I for sure can always do is I can pray. And then I can do something, you know, even if it just means, okay, I can I can send some money to some relief agency there. Or I have friends in Europe, you know, yesterday I said, I think some of you should consider going to Turkey and, and helping out, you know, just going down there and saying, how can I, what can I do? Someone asked Mother Teresa when she was in Calcutta, how can I respond to this overwhelming poverty everywhere? And she said, one person at a time. I hear from people all the time who say, you know, you prayed for me like in, I don't know, somewhere, and now my whole life has changed, and now I've started a ministry somewhere. And the worst thing we can do is to think it's so huge, I can't do anything. I like that. That's a great perspective. One person at a time. Thank you, Mother Teresa, still dropping balls. I was going to say, I thought you were calling David Mother Teresa there for a second, and I was a little alarmed but I thought that fits. Striking similarity. Aesthetically speaking, it fits. Thank you, Father Teresa. <laughs> yeah. Brian, how can we pray for you? What have you been thinking about? What's on your heart? What are something that we can just uh, be joining in with you in prayer uh, for the next season of your life? Music. Music and daughter. Okay. Yeah, my daughter would be closer with the Lord, and the music would flow like honey through. Because it's, uh, yeah. I could always Are you guys it. in the writing process? We're about to be, but um, yeah, I I feel a little blockage, so I need that well to open up. Mm-hmm. 
Right on. Inspiration. Chad, pray. Jesus, thank you that that we get to talk both very seriously about things in the world and that we also get to jest about things that uh, are completely worthless and somehow you you find uh, care and compassion for us in the midst of both. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for Brian, for the life that you've called him to, for the way in in which you've called him out of darkness, for the for the way that you've exercised um, the devil and and all his minions out of Brian's view and his heart and perspective and brought him into the glorious life that is with and in Christ. And so God, please, uh, by your abilities and your power, would you release to Brian and through him inspiration that that is just like that, that there is nothing other than a, f- a free flowing well of ideas and um, creative thought and just like, oh, what if I did this? No, what if I did that? um, So we invite you by the Holy Spirit to do that, not because we said it, but because you're more than capable. Um, And Lord, please be with Brian's daughter. I can can relate so, so well with the the prayer um, for our kids to know you and um, or to know you better. Uh, I just pray that specifically in in my case that my kids would know you that they would come to know you that 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 wayward kids everywhere uh, would experience a awakening in you a true revival an outpouring of your heart towards um, this generation in this world and that all those crazy voices that that say that they're Christian but uh, do not reflect you would would disappear in Jesus name yeah. All right, that's it. Thanks for tuning in. We love you, Brian. Love you. Love you, dude. All right, peace. Thank you for listening to the Provoke and Inspire podcast. If you enjoy this content, consider leaving us a rating and a review on iTunes. Got questions for the guys? Send them to provokeandinspire at steiger.org. Thanks for listening.